0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to The Stack. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And on The Stack, we talk about a bunch of books that have come out this week. And let's kick it off with a massive one. Amazing Fantasy number 1000 from Marvel by Hochi Anderson, Jordi Belair, Kurt Busaic, mm-hmm. Giuseppe mm-hmm. yeah, Camencoli, yeah, yeah. Marco yeah. Cicetto, Jim yeah. Chiung, Michael Cho, Clayton Cowles, yep. Olivia Capel, Rachel right. Dodson, Terry Dodson, Anthony Falcone, Neil Gaiman, yeah. Jonathan Hickman, Armando Inucci, a- wow. Richard Eisenhoff, Klaus Jansen, oh, yeah. Todd Klein, Ariana Mahar, right. Maher, mm-hmm. Frank Martin, JP Mayer, Steve McNiven, Todd Nock, Right. Sonia Back, Mike Pachillo, J. David Ramos, Rochelle Rosenberg, Rainbow Rowell, Joe Sabino, Dan Slot, Ryan Stegman, and Matthew Wilson. Uh, Wilson. Wow! That was, that was so, going to be
1: my review. Uh, all there you go.
0: So, as you can probably figure out here, this is a collection honoring the anniversary of Amazing Fantasy 15, I believe. The title that introduced right. yes. Spider-Man, I Know My History, Spider-Man to the World. This is a bunch of different short stories that jump throughout his history to show us the past, present, and future of Spider-Man with teams that have worked on him in the past as well as some fresh new ones. This, so I will get the requisite collections are a mixed
2: bag thing that we always talk about every time out of the way. This collection was awesome. Really well. Very good. Curated. I was really impressed with it. I kept reading it, being like, okay, this is going to be too much. Mm -hmm. Eventually I'm going to get sick of all these Spider-Man stories, but I didn't. They just kept getting better. And each one of them was so good in a different way. I was really, really impressed with this collection of stories. I thought they were all bangers.
1: And you're famously easy on Spider-Man stories.
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: Um, There's a lot uh, to love in this. I have to shout out the, the Neil Gaiman story.
0: I knew it. I Forever. knew that was going to be the good but I
1: have to shout it out first because it's really great. It's mm-hmm. really like different, and it it is an exact mirror of the time when I interviewed Neil Gaiman, <laughs> <laughs> like his experience um, connecting with Spider Man, and it, this his story. And it's later on in the book, uh, but definitely worth seeking seeking it out. Um, is about how his personal relationship with Spider Man uh, had him fall in love with the comics. And later on, he he um, got to uh, meet uh, Steve Ditko and all that. And like, it's awesome. And it reminded me of when I met Neil Gaiman and had sort of a similar experience.
0: That one was really cool, too, that I'll shout out that are definitely in my wheelhouse. But Dan Slot story, which is all about a older Spider-Man. I think it's his 60th birthday. Yes. Getting and there's a spoiler here, but. He gets shot by a mugger, which is going right back to the origin, I thought was a clever and a heartbreaking thing to happen. It has all... The classic, like, New York rallying around Spider-Man stuff going on. Uh, just a really, really good Dan Slot story. And then the other one, which I think a lot of people are very interested in here, and I was, I really enjoyed, it was not what I expected, was Jonathan Hickman's story. Which basically does Council of Reeds, but with Council of Peters. And which I thought was cool. Yes, very cool, but also funny. Which you don't expect from a Jonathan Hickman story, which I was very pleasantly surprised about.
1: What I loved about that is the way it is in the book is you don't find out who wrote it until the end, and I was like, yeah. "Oof, yeah. ballsy to write this Council <laughs> Reed story about Peter Parker." And I was like, "Oh, good, Jonathan Hickman did it, perfect." <laughs> I, also, I
2: also really like the uh, the story where it's a collection of pictures that Peter had took. And mm. uh, the artist uh, who did that was just did an was amazing that, job. I might be wrong. Was that Rainbow Rowell's story? That's sort of like his
1: day-in-the-life thing? Uh, yes, yeah. by um, uh, Olivier Coppel.
2: Yeah. It was, uh, was just good. absolutely beautiful and just really uh, letting the kind of art and the photography kind of speak for themselves are really, really uh, well done.
1: And what I loved about that one, it was a real slice of life moment. Like, I think that's something that some of the best uh, stories in these, like, anthologies really do that just, like, a point in time in the, these characters that we love. I want to shout out the Armando Iannucci story, like, um, great uh, creator of Veep. Um, and this sh- this, um, this short really, like, sort of touches on that enough, but also really uses the Spider-Man uh, characters really well. And the uh, I'll also shout out the Kurt
0: Busaic story, which is like a classic Kurt Busaic knowing way too much about comic (laughs) continuity thing where he teases it in a very cheeky way at the beginning where he's like, this is a story that's going to tie into the continuity of Amazing Fantasy 15, but not in the way you think. And then it ties into the continuity of the backstory that everybody yeah. forgets, nobody knows about. So you have Spider Man. There's another story with this dude who gets locked in a tube and gets thrown back in time. Oh so yeah, that one's great. So that's what it ties into. Yeah. Very fun, very just like very silly but knowledgeable thing to throw in there in the middle of the book.
1: And the Dodsons on art, which like I, it, it, it's hard to find a book um, that the Dodsons draw that is not good. But maybe we'll talk about one later. Uh, I was okay. going to say, hold on to that. Thought <laughs> uh, it's funny you bring that up.
0: Huh. I Wonder if this is book I did anyway. Let's move to the next book. We're going to talk about Superman War World Apocalypse oh, Number One oh, from man. DC Comics. Written by Philip Kennedy Johnson. Art by Brandon Peterson, Will Conrad, Max Rayner, and Miguel Mendonza. This is Bring the world, world War World, that's very hard to say, saga to a close. We should have
1: warmed up. We should have warmed up war world, before we did world. this. Yeah. That's the war classic world. War World, world face, made me push my
0: M&M's, right? Is that what you say?
1: That's the classic one that we the do in world. the theatrical world. Yeah. <laughs> <In> the <theater. laughs>
0: so... This brings the saga to the end as Mongol is coming face to face with Superman, who finally has powers again. Everybody's bringing it down. I'll throw this out there first. And this is like a lob for Pete. But even more than a Superman story, I kind of think this was a fantastic Midnighter story.
2: Oh, yes. nice Yeah, that was a pretty cool moment for sure I loved it uh, You know, spoilers with my review But I just, I mean, the <laughs> fact that we got Uh-oh, Pete review fans Turn away now if you don't want to know spoilers Wait. For Pete's review I
1: You're mean, doing we, it, you're doing it right now yeah. eh? hey, hey, It's not a burger.
2: spoiler <laughs> uh, Well, I'm going to be giving away kind of the Key parts here, but I mean, just the fact that This thing's got ripping out hearts Kissing above the cloud lines I mean, come on, this is a comic I mean, what an end to this journey it has been. I, I wanted a little bit more Superman fighting, you know what I mean? But I still loved every single uh, minute of it and uh, was really impressed with all the kind of stories and the way it all kind of came together. And,
1: uh, you know, it gets you, gets you in the feels. There's nothing more Pete than kissing above the cloud line. Yeah. Uh, I think Come we on. can say yeah. that. Come on. Um, I uh, talked about this book on the live show. Um, I, Philip oh, Kennedy you did? Johnson. Yeah. That I was mentioned a while it.
2: ago. I remember. What'd you yeah, say? Know,
1: it was a while ago. Um, let me try to look through my notes. Yeah, it's that sh- was like 12 hours ago, right? Yeah, 12 hours ago. Hard to remember. Um, the uh, I love, I think Philip Kennedy Johnson has been just telling this epic fantasy story. That is also a great Superman story at the same time, and it's got kind of like it comes this... together. I'm sorry. Yeah, it comes to together like that. it comes together like a fantasy story. Here, you've got your main sort of uh, king uh, hero, Superman. He's got all of the different knights who are doing their part to um, to fight the good fight, and then um, he goes home to be with his love. Like it is great. It is perfect. It's just what you want. I didn't know I wanted it until I got it, and I love it.
0: Pete, I want to throw something out at you. Which is a better story, this War World saga or Planet Hulk?
1: Oh, Ooh, I you. love that connection.
2: How dare you, asshole. That's a,
1: I hadn't made that connection before. Really? That's a okay. great connection. Yeah, that's really smart.
2: Yeah. Um, I I do love the kind of War World uh, Superman that we do get in this. This is a very cool kind of, uh, you know, uh, battles kind of, yeah. Like, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, Fury Road Superman here, but uh, mm. to me, uh, you know, World War Hulk, uh, where he's so angry he can't be in the ship, he's got to ride on the front, you know what I mean? Like, that's real rage. That's somebody who understands anger at its base level. Superman's you
1: know I mean? so angry he doesn't need a ship. He just flies. <laughs> well, yeah. I'll tell you, I mean, while we're talking about the
0: parallels there, uh, I think it's almost the flip side, right? Like Pete's talking about that War- World War Hulk is all about yeah. getting Hulk to a place where he is driven to this anchor where he's going to take vengeance on Earth. He's building up his power. But Superman literally, by the end of here, disperses his power to other people to save them. So they are very much in opposite directions and really draws a line. In the, I mean, these are obvious differences, but the differences between who Superman is and who the Hulk is and what those characters are. So... Nice nice yeah, that, double features, if that's a thing that you could say for
1: comics. That's that's a great, yeah, that's a great, like, um, go into the uh, drive-in movie theater to <laughs> read both of these books. But yeah, Superman finds sort of peace in the, the reverse of Hulk in the end, and he becomes more Superman, while the Hulk becomes sort of the most uh, angry Hulk version is, of him. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah.
0: Let's move on and talk about Thunderbolts, number one, from Marvel, written by Jim Zub, art by Sean Zub Isaacs. Hub, this Hub. is picking up... From the Devil's Reign storyline, Luke Cage is now the mayor of New York. There used to be an evil Thunderbolts that was patrolling New York. Luke Cage hasn't been able to repair everything, but he's trying to assign heroes to be on this new team of Thunderbolts. There's a little bit of cultural commentary going on here with having a diverse team that sort of filts different slots. They're led by Hawkeye. They're going up and capturing some of the other evil Thunderbolts. And of course, there's some twists and turns by the end here in classic Thunderbolts fashion. What do you guys think about this book?
2: I thought this was great. I really liked uh, the Hawkeye kind of humor that you get uh, kind of peppered in here with all the different action. Great to see Abomination and uh, what he brings to it. It's a it's a lot of fun, uh, great art, uh, really over the top. And, uh, you know, uh, I felt bad for Abomination, but, uh, you know, it was still really
1: I, I laughed. You know what I mean? Uh, this has sort of like a soft ecstatics vibe to it, uh, mm-hmm. Alex, that you were talking about, or the, the the X-Force book that then spun out of that, where it's like sort of critiquing culture and uh, marketing and all of that, but mm-hmm. through the lens of Hawkeye where it's sort of like shrug of the shoulders, like, okay, if that's what we're doing, that's mm-hmm. fine. And it has the, they talk about West Coast Avengers a lot, which I also think is a nice flavor to add in here. Um, so all these elements come together to make sort of a different, stew of this type of book where it's launching a team book with a mix of people who don't really know each other but are coming together to be the new team. Um the only thing the only criticism I would have is like it's insane that Hawkeye's the leader. Like everyone is like <laughs> he's he's a shithead. Why are we putting him in charge? Luke Cage is like I'm the mayor but I'm somehow putting Hawkeye in charge. Like it's so obvious that he's a bad choice for this, but he is the character the book wants, or like, or we want, or Marvel wants to be there, so it it does just feel a little bit of a push on that.
0: Yeah, I, I will say you mentioned Ecstatics, and I think that's a great call out for this book. I was certainly thinking about that a lot while I was reading this. I was also thinking about not that we mentioned his name anymore, but the Warren Ellis Thunderbolts, which was also. Uh, that right. was the team led by Norman Osborne, where he's going insane at a mountain, and they're mostly hanging out there. I think it was Mike Diodato Art, which we've recently found out is another it person was. we don't talk about. So let's stop talking about that. But uh, my main <laughs> feeling here while I was reading this at the beginning of the book was like, for the cultural commentary here, you really need like to talk about somebody we're going to talk about later on the stack of Mark Millar, who has like the real edge take on it, you know, to like really pump up the we're being real assholes with the culture commentary thing, which is not Jim Zub. He's yeah. he does have edge. He has dark humor, but he's a much kinder writer and he's a much a goofier writer when he goes into the humor sometimes. And I think that works nicely for the book. What I eventually came around to plot wise is that's not the sort of book that works with Luke Cage's mayor. Like there is no world right. where Luke Cage is like. Yes, let's get into these diversity issues and be real jerks about it. That's just not going to happen. So having Jim Zub write the book the way he is, like you're saying, I think a call-out being West Coast Avengers is probably a closer comp to what we're talking to than that Thunderbolts run that I mentioned, or the like cynical nihilism of ecstatics, particularly at the beginning of its run. So I'm enjoying it. I'm on board. It took me a little while to like wrap my brain around it, but... As a comic book, it's fun. Jim up writes fun stuff. Sean yeah, Isaac's art is fun. I had a good time.
1: Yeah, it's so well layered. All the stuff we just mentioned is layered really nicely so it doesn't feel like you're there's too much going on. We sort of move through it to land where the, on the tone that the book I think will uh, will really focus on.
0: Yeah. And could you imagine also how much shit Marvel would get if they were like, Here's our diversity thunderbolts? Everybody yeah. would hate them. Hate them. Yeah. So Glad well, that's not happening. Let's talk about the Sandman universe, Nightmare Country, number five from DC Comics, written by James oh, Tynion oh, the fourth man. art by Lizano Four, and Aaron Campbell. This is, I believe, finishing the first arc of this book in huge fashion for fans of the Sandman franchise as the Corinthian and his buddies go up against the bad yeah. guys. We get a bunch of stuff from Sandman continuity layered in here that is awesome to see. Justin, curious to hear your thoughts on this one.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's this is such a timely book to be coming out when the Sandman series on Netflix is oh, really you're moving right. oh, and yeah. really drawing eyeballs to it because this is such a a great example of the juice that is still in the Sandman universe as a comic juice? book. The juice. There's still juice. Like, I feel like Sandman people are like, that was finished. Those comics are done. There will be no more new comics. But I think uh, James... James the fourth like is able to JT four JT four is able to really bring that energy and tell a new story that f- connects so well to what has come before and I think would serve as a great sort of like new direction for the Salmon universe to go.
0: Now, real quick, you're JT1. Do you hang out with JT2 and JT3 as well as JT4 or how does that work?
1: Um, Yeah, so I'm JT1. Uh, Justin Timberlake is JT2. <laughs> uh, awkward. Uh, and that's uh, awkward. Uh, but
2: oh, I no, heard – uh,
1: no, oh, I earned the title in a beer pong game we played head to head. And he, it was, he bet, he waged it. And I was like, okay, dude. So okay. you guys
2: had one, all the JTs got together, had one beer pong tournament. And
1: that's how oh, you got the numbering. No, this is just me head to head with Justin Timberlake. There's okay, no, right, right, right. all the other, JT3
0: is Jambalaya tire, who's that guy from New Orleans who puts Jambalaya in a tire and serves it, right? Oh, it's yes, so yes, good. Yes. It's it. very good. So good. You don't even very taste good. the rubber.
2: No, you don't. Yeah. That's how good the jambalaya is. Um, so first <laughs> off, this is so creepy and so good. This is like crazy, crazy fun. Uh, I mean, I'm not sure at all times what is happening, but I'm having a great time reading this. And, uh, you know, damn your bananas. This is some great fucking art, man. What? Wow! Yeah. Pete turning against himself. in a Yeah, twist. I mean the art's so good. It you know it really just. Wait, wait
1: you're damning your bananas. That's right. <laughs> I don't know. It feels like you're workshopping a new catchphrase in a way. And I, th- this one, this one, I can't believe I'm saying this. This one makes less sense. <laughs> I can't I, honestly. I can't believe I'm saying this. Doesn't it make somehow it's harder to understand what you? <laughs> That's how good the art is. Yeah. Great. Uh, Great book. Ant-Man number two from Marvel,
0: (laughs) written by Al Ewing, art by Tom Riley. I am loving this book. This is a trip through the continuity of Ant-Man. The first issue dealt with old-timey Hank Pym. This one is jumping all the way to Eric O'Grady, the irredeemable Ant-Man. So fun to see him again. Such an asshole. But Al Ewing writes him perfectly. Tom Riley's
1: art is great. Just conjures – because this oh was Robert Kirkman. This was like the Invincible team, right? Mm-hmm. Like, And, yeah. and the, the art is perfectly yeah. captured. The tone is spot on. It's so surprising to me for Al Ewing, um, a writer who came off an incredible run of The Incredible Hulk and is now doing some wild and woolly – Work, and I mean that as a compliment. Like the Defenders book, which is like super wonky, deep Marvel mysticism continuity, and then this book, which is going so hard into Ant continuity, a continuity that no one is talking about. <laughs> uh, I would argue, but this it is it, it is so successful in hitting it. The book has a mystery element; we don't know what's happening or why. There's a slightly mm-hmm. meta element to the uh, main story. Um, but yeah, and this makes me like Eric O'Grady as a character. Like I, I wouldn't mind seeing this Ant Man wandering around the Marvel universe a little bit. Huh?
2: Interesting. Uh, well, first off, uh, to all you Ant Man fans out there who do talk about Ant Man and what's going on, you know, apologies for Justin's rant there. Yeah, Well, I do we're think
1: Fant Man. I- I'm sort oh, okay. of a rant man in a lot of ways. Uh,
2: okay. Uh, but yeah, I was really impressed with not only the art, but the tone of this and kind of the fun <laughs> that it's having. Uh, just it's, it's very cool. Love the, the pace of it and uh, all, all of that it's exploring.
0: I'm still kind of stuck on damn your bananas. But why don't we move on and talk (laughs) about Harley Quinn, the animated series, The Real Sidekicks of New Gotham Special Number 1 from DC Comics, written by T. Franklin, Alexia uh, Quasarano, Connor Shin, Jimmy Mosquito, and Jameson Barak. Art by Max Sarin, O'Neill Jones, Erica Henderson, Logan Farber, PJ Holden, and John... I, what are you doing? John, Michael, and do you know
2: Farbs? <laughs> oh, no. I'm just giving oh, Farbs just a shot. Trying. You're trying to lot just, of stuff out. Just
1: being peep, and and Okay, yeah, yeah, Damn the bit. So the as you can
2: tell from the
0: title, this ties into the Harley Quinn animated series. It is all framed yes. around a talk show that the sidekicks and others are going on in between stories. Pete... You're a big fan of the Harley Quinn animated series. What'd you think about this?
2: Yes. I thought this was a really fun extension of an already amazing TV show. I thought it's exactly what you want. You want to feel like this uh, TV show is just kind of broken down into the stills here. It feels like an extension of that. So check Great job. Uh, yeah, I just think it's a hilarious and really fun and really feels like uh, it's straight torn from the animated show. It's a totally quality package
1: right there.
0: Now,
2: Justin, you don't watch the show, I, I believe.
1: I've watched um, a bunch of it, but I haven't watched like okay. the newest stuff, uh, essentially. But... Um, I love the framing device just as a comic book. If Pete, Pete is coming from the animation side, let me come at it from the comic book side. I love the framing device of this talk show. I really love just that we start off with a, a, a very Dixon.
2: In, in the animated show. Just see. So you know, no, I know. It's not but like I, they made up this talk show just for the 100%, comic book. But yeah. for,
1: for a comic book, I'm saying I like the framing device where it allows us to pop out into these individual stories while also maintaining an ongoing narrative. Um, love that we get a, a hardcore Vixen focused story. Vixen, just a great comic book uh, hero. Like the visual nature of the way that her powers are shown in a comic book is awesome. I, I want to see more Vixen in general. Um, and then I just, the individual stories are great. Like the Batgirl story is awesome. It's fun. Everything's fun throughout. The fact that we get a great Clayface story is awesome. Oh, like, yeah. Uh, It's just like, if you aren't uh, watching Harley Quinn, this is a great sort of entree into that universe, while also featuring some great characters just from the Batman or Bat family that you don't see a lot of.
2: Yeah, it's great to see the kind of good guys in this kind of context. It's a real fun, unique way to do it. And what's also great is if you like the animated series, you hear the voices when you read the comic, which is cool. And uh, I know, Pete, you came
0: from the direction of being a fan of the animated series. Justin, you came as a fan of comic books. I want to come as a fan of podcasts. I think we did a great job reviewing this. Let's move on to <laughs> talk about the Variants number three from Marvel, written by Gail Simone, art by Phil Noto. It is all finally going down. This issue is Jessica Jones encounters multiple multiversal variants of herself. We don't know exactly what's happening there. She thinks maybe it's tied to the anniversary of When the Purple Man kidnapped oh, her, which she's man. not quite sure, but there's some big, big emotional beats that happen in this issue. Some huge action. Um, this book is, and I say this in the best way, hard
2: to read. Interesting. I, I, well, just I because, understand because what it, you're. Yeah, yeah. Well, it I pushes, agree with you. Like,
0: here's the thing: they've never. I don't think they've ever explicitly stated that the Purple Man sexually assaulted her, but. Even putting that aside, he mentally assaulted her, right? So yeah. Yeah. getting back to that is very hard to read. and It's very hard to deal with. But that's exactly what this team is diving right into. Yeah.
1: Well, And let me say, like, um, this book, I agree. This book is great. Uh, just from a writing perspective, Phil Noto's are awesome. And Jessica Jones is a character that um, I we met in the Marvel Universe from Bendis' initial uh, creation, alias, all that elevated to the netflix series one of the netflix shows that um i think really um maintains quality even after um uh, we've all moved past those netflix shows uh this book is a is an essential part of that story i think It, it really like it allows you to alex's point look at everything that's come before through jessica jones's eyes as well as sort of uh the other versions of her that we're meeting in this book. And it, the mystery is just tipping over. I think here we're not, we don't even know the full story. We're getting some Luke Cage stuff here as well. Like this is a, this is a great book. I I worry that it's going to fly under the radar.
2: Uh, I agree. This is a really great book. Yeah. Tough at, at, at times. Um, Uh, But I really like what it's doing. There's humor in this. There's kind of dealing with stuff in a way where, you know, she has friends, which is great. But also the Luke Cage stuff, as Justin mentioned, was so badass and so cool. And then kind of leaves you in this like, oh, shit, reveal moment for the end of this issue. Um, yeah, I'm impressed with all that it's doing within this one issue. You really got a uh, roller coaster of emotions here. Um, but man, uh, done so well, done, uh, artistically, uh, forward. So it's, it's really impressive what you're getting in this comic. And I hope, uh, people take notice. Wonder Girl 2022. Before we move on, that's oh, the yeah.
1: Variance, the Variance number three, a, a title that I feel like it's maybe right. hard to Variance remember. Variance three.
0: Oh, that's right. OK, I forgot about that. K Grimes, two over on that, our live yeah, show. Yeah, number requested.
1: two. got to give it for number that's two. That's fine. Yes. I forgot, too. But that one especially, I think, is a little bit harder to remember. So, like, let's definitely shout that OK,
0: out. ask that we repeat the titles after we're done. I'll see if I remember that. Wonder Girl 2022, annual number one from DC Comics, written by Joel Jones. and Douglas Marquez, art by Eli, Eli Lennox, oh my goodness. Adriana Mello, Sweeney Boo, and Ben. Sweeney Boo. Sweeney Boo. I love every time I see that name, I'm like, Sweeney Boo in my yeah. head. It's very fun. Ben Dewey, uh, this is focusing on Yara Flores going on a yes. bunch of adventures as well as sundry related characters. Love the art of this book. Really gorgeous. What do you think about the story, though? I,
1: I think. Um, in general, this episode of the stack, um, we've talked, we talk a lot about on this show, or at least I do about how missing annuals that really tell a, their own story Ooh, and have anything. Mm-hmm. And I think uh-huh. the, we're going to talk about a few annual annuals here and they all oh, do oh. that. Um, and this one, this one does it in, in a great way. The art is fantastic. And wonder girl is a character that it's hard to know exactly what, uh, what her spot in the DC universe is. Uh, but every issue I read, i'm like this is great i want to see more of this character. yeah i want more and more
2: yeah yeah i agree i i think this is r- really uh uh well done i like that we're getting into the wonder team a little bit we get more wonders in this which is great uh i really love this issue i mean that kiss i mean come on let's see we're talking about kissing in this stack i mean that's up there that was a that was a quality smooch-a-roo. wait are we talking
1: about kissing in this stack?
2: Yeah, I mean, we were talking about the kissing above the skyline, you know. and Now we're talking we were. about this kiss. This kiss. So there's some uh, sweet smooches.
1: This kiss.
2: That, uh, anyways, <laughs> uh, it's a it's a quality annual and uh, definitely worth checking out.
0: All right, why don't we talk about House of Slaughter, number eight from Boob Studios, written by Sam Johns, art by Letizia Cadenisi. This is continuing the arc that spins off of something is killing the children as one of our House of Slaughter members is on a boat investigating oh, Mr. mystery. Don't, don't get on
2: boats, man. Uh,
1: don't ever get on boats? Yeah, don't get on boats, man. If I really not...
0: like this arc. I like how it is shaking up the way they approach storytelling in something that's mm, killing yes. the children in the universe. But most of all, Letizia Canadisi's art is
2: stunning. Like, oh, this is, yes.
0: I, I just want to say, it. damn your bananas.
1: This is good
2: art. Sketch <laughs> it on. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I... sorry
1: real, real quick on that before you give your review. Is it damn your bananas like yeah. you the oh. artist i thought or is it, was it like, like damn your bananas yeah damn your bananas Yeah, your fish. like damn your bananas yeah damn your bananas
2: this is great art
1: yeah like cursing like i have a i have bananas downstairs that i bought at the grocery store and i'm like damn those bananas
2: yeah exactly i'm cursing your bananas Right, and the bananas is the
0: art in this case, or no, no, uh, you know, Alex,
1: I don't think there's a metaphor here. <laughs> <laughs> He's truly cursing your real bananas. Yeah, I, I gotta I'm...
0: buy some bananas then. I guess.
1: Um, what were we talking about? Uh, we're talking about House of Slaughter, and let oh, me okay, weigh great. in here. So, uh,
2: yeah, I just want – oh, go
1: ahead if you were – I want to – I agree. The art is very good, very much in the style of sort of the world, but also extending it in a way. And I like that this this story takes us in um, – it's a different type of story. I think this book does a great job of being a companion book to the main Something's Killing the Children, where we're getting different not only uh, characters and takes on the universe, but also just different ways of healing hearing stories and uh being told stories this one is sort of a real uh like ride along with one character sort of coming to grips with um a truth in his life and I I really liked that I was really along for this ride uh
2: yeah this is super scary um but uh yeah as far as like it just feels a little outside the pocket of of where we were operating which is fun you can go outside of that and explore other stories uh, but I also kind of was reading it being like, I, I, I want more a little bit. I wanted more uh, kind of connection to our uh, all the things that I know and love uh, about this universe. So I was impressed artistically what it did and the story that is told. But I walked away feeling like, oh, I wish it was like a little bit more. But uh, uh, mm. artistically, it was cool what it did.
1: Damn the- that pocket full of bananas. House of Slaughter 8. <laughs>
0: The Flash 2022 annual number one from DC Comics written by Jeremy Adams, art by Serg Akuna. I'm very surprised, Pete, to say you say, hear you say, yeah. Since you usually hate The Flash. So talk yeah. about this one. what do oh you, my think, God. you think?
1: You think he's too this. fast. You think he's too fast. No, you know what? I loved this
2: issue because The Flash was barely in it. Okay. It was mainly about other things going on and, uh, you know, had some real, uh, romance in the air, a little romance novels kind of reference. It, stuff it just set the scene a little and bit. It gets a little meta, it gets oh, a little like, weird, but, uh, you, you know, are, you are blasted
0: out that bike, man. Oh, sorry. This is Wally West is reading a novel that his wife has written. Because we're
2: reading. And then the character's also reading. It is a
0: romance <laughs> novel that she wrote, sci-fi inflected, that uses characters from the Flash universe. It's very cute. Very fun. Yes. Justin, what did you think about this one?
1: Um, I also enjoyed this. This is the one that I think most epitomizes for me, the, like, really using an annual to be an annual. Like, we get the whole format shift of the Flash reading um, the uh, uh, Linda West novel, Linda Park West novel, and uh, it's great. Like, from the, cov- the Fabio-esque cover to everything that happens, great reveal at the end. Uh, it was just a great Flash story to Pete's point, without having to be focused ag- aggressively on the Flash. Yeah. And, and just a nice... Suck it, uh, Flash. No, nah, he is still the main character here in a lot of ways. Um, and just a great romance. References other, I think, uh, stories in this genre in a good way. It's cool.
0: Very fun. Definitely pick that up. Next up, Alice Ever After, number five from Boom Studios, written by Dan Panosian, art by Giorgio Spiletta and Dan Panosian. And this is the final issue of this book, dot, 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 question mark, because as we talked to Dan Pedosian back on our live show, he said... That he may have more stories to tell in this universe, but this is it for now. As- did we talk
2: to him about this book, man? Because this is a really
0: cool oh, book. This bit, this bit you're doing is killing me. We, oh we did. God. It's killing oh, me. We should have. We done always
2: it. do. We always. <laughs> I wish we would have because I we did some things to ask just to be real I mean? quick
1: about it. We did talk about it in. <laughs> oh, uh, because it's too bad. It's too bad. We let missed, me throw this out, we really Pete. A lot the of opportunity. A lot of times, <laughs> the reason the guests on the show is to talk about the books that we read. Huh. That's how uh, the process goes. Weird.
0: Well, anyway, this is the end of this realistic story of Alice in Wonderland <laughs> as Alice gets, spoiler, lobotomized by yeah, the Yeah, boo, issue. boo. Dark. Boo, I mean- yeah, I lobotomy should. She's not crazy now Isn't that great Oh my god What a good procedure Oh, well, no, oh We should say awful. Alex
1: is a big advocate For regular lobotomies uh, I And I think lobotomized
0: that my whole family And they're doing to, lovely oh, oh To be god. fair
1: I think your relationship With us on this podcast Really I think Feeds your interest In lobotomy For people who are Problematic to you yeah. <laughs> As uh, I always oh,
0: say, damn your labada, labada, bottom that is wow, wow, that was worth it, worth it for you, the bits alone. Uh, damn, that's so a lot of I bananas. Think, <laughs> uh, this is this is I'll heartbreaking. What, I think we've crossed the line and
2: become too meta about our
0: own podcast.
2: Go ahead, okay. Yeah, this is this is heartbreaking. Uh, you know, I was hoping it wouldn't come to this, but it did. So that that part, the reality of it was. Uh, Kind of really uh, yucked my yum a little bit there, so I was uh, I was a little uh, a little hurt by what happened with Alice in this, but um, this has been super creative and really impressive on what they're they're kind of doing here. So uh, I I was happy for the ride, but I was also a little sad, but still happy overall. So
1: let me wow, happy sad happy. Let me ask if you, Pete, what was your yum in this book? Um, well, because the, the creative kind of.
2: Thing of like, uh, you know, uh, we can kind of go to our own little worlds and our own little crazy places that we create and stuff like that. You know, like a fun little attic where we can put up our posters that we like on the wall and maybe, you know, it's,
1: uh, it's our own little safe place. You know what I mean? uh got you um because i agree with you like that th- you're right that is what this book sort of uh set out and her escape from truly every issue is like you think it's bad <laughs> oh, now yeah. watch yeah. out because here it's worse and each issue does get progressively worse this one tragic in the sort of like knock knock we're here to save the day you got the wrong house uh at the end of the day and um so very sad. I hope for if in uh the next version of this, uh, the next trade or the next sort of run on this that there is a little bit more light at the end of the tunnel because I this agree. was a great read, but just a hard mental read, I think. Yeah.
0: I'll also throw out there that this is one of the rare books that justifies having two artists. Because Giorgio Spalletta's book in the main continuity of what's going on is great and really good. Not necessarily realistic, but really well done. And Dan Panosian's Wonderland art, I believe it was Dan Panosian doing the Wonderland art, is stunning as well. So they really contrast each other, but also work really nicely well together. This is a great uh, book.
2: Definitely pick it up in collection. I think if Greg Pak was here, he would say this is a real kick in the brain. I'm hmm. sure he would not say that.
0: Harley really Quinn.
1: Really felt words in his <laughs> mouth. Really well.
0: <laughs> annual number one from DC Comics, written by Stephanie Phillips, art by Simone Boone Fontano and David Baldian. This is picking up on a plot line happening in Harley Quinn, where she is leading Task Force X to fight an evil alien entity, and that it's kicking off the next Harley Quinn storyline. I'm curious to hear from you guys, particularly Justin, given that you lauded...
2: Annuals st-
0: sticking out as their own story. This
2: doesn't, doesn't. So how do you feel about yeah. that? Oh man, Justin, defend this then, huh? What? Oh, th-
1: this is Alex grounded. really
2: painted you in the corner. Let's see <laughs> if you can get out. What this, do you got? This,
1: <laughs> this one, is, I'm fine. I, I, I like being in the corner with paint. Oh yeah. Uh, this one, yes, is very Justin much. Justin ex-
2: likes the corner.
1: Uh, no one puts shoot Justin shoot in, the, in the corner. I'll get you. I'll get you. Uh, uh, <laughs> Uh yes, this one definitely has the least um standalone annual value. I do think the story does standalone if you're not reading the book, but the fact <laughs> that it truly is a lead-in and a uh, lead out on both sides here um but uh, the middle point, and when you pick up in that second story, I was like, this is a fun uh, – I wish the backstory was the full annual. Um, but uh, I want to shout out also the cover with um, the famous, I want to say, Jim Lee cover with Batman and Robin with uh, yeah. Yeah. with Harley Quinn replacing uh, Robin I thought was very cool. And the story's fun, great action, uh, still the fun uh, that you always get from Harley Quinn. Uh, but definitely – Curious how the story unfolds in the backstory going forward.
2: Yeah, I agree. This is a lot of fun. Great story. Aliens are bad. Great use of orca. And uh, I love Harley's uh, love of cheese. You know what I mean? Well, so, And I'd a lot say, of I'd
1: seafaring
2: puns here. I, who, who doesn't love it?
0: The Vampire Slayer number 5 for Boob Studios, written by Sarah Galley, art by Sonia Lau. This is a rebooted continuity where Buffy has somehow magically not become the Vampire Slayer, and instead Willow is the Vampire Slayer. Oh, man. Seems like Faith knows a little something about it. And As we left off the last issue, they were fighting a pasta monster, which is where we pick up this issue. I'm really having a great time reading this book. Uh, This is, I think, my favorite run on... Buffy that Boom Studios has done in a good long while. And it's just getting funnier and more fun every issue. This is one of, I know we've talked a lot about like rejiggering the continuity, but this is completely working for me in terms of how the characters are different, how Xander is different, how Spike is different, how everybody is different. Uh, And I think that's all down to how Zara Galley is writing the book as light and fun but also just the characterizations in general feel like the core characters with these otherwise very big differences. I mean, well, and then, going, like,
1: I think the, oh. the writing really trusts the audience to understand the differences, which I think is a real benefit to it. Like, I feel like another version of this pick would be like, look, do you believe the difference here? And it's very much like, no, this is just you'll you'll understand the difference because it's the story. And I like that confidence and trust in the reader uh, is really working well here.
2: And if you're going to have a pasta monster, somebody better grab a, you know, fork and try to twist it up a little bit. You know what I mean? Uh, so that was fun. I also, you know, it's the, in the infighting kind of can drive me nuts a little bit, but I I am having a great time reading this. I love the choices that they're making. Uh, it's fun if you know all the Buffy history, but if you're not as deep into it as maybe someone like me, I'm still having a great time reading this book. And, uh, There's some real heart to it as well, which uh, not only comes in the writing, but also in the art. So impressive.
1: Let me ask you, um, what do you think of the pasta choice of Bucatini? Do you feel like there's a scarier pasta out there? What's your most um, fearful pasta choice? I mean,
2: that's tough. You know, I've, I'm always uh, afraid of those little wheels. I hate them goddamn wheels. Wagon wheels? You don't like the wagon wheels? I don't like the wagon wheels. They, they What about the
0: what about the, fillet, the little bow ties? You don't like that because you don't like uh, dressing up for stuff, right? People? Too formal. Yeah, 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 too formal. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: It's like, oh, because, you you know, you got to wear a tie if you're eating for folly Yeah. It's a whole yeah. thing. Um, yeah, what about the spirals? They're the ones that um, I really – they can Ruchini? really hold on to the flavor. Yeah.
0: Mm. Mm. I do like rotini uh, Penne Also pretty good Are we just talking about Pasta we like now Is that what's
1: going on Yes yeah, I think good... penne Just uh, its too much noodle it's what are you like, talking it, it, about? Come on, not dude. Taking, penny, it's not vodka? taking on. Come on, bro. It's not taking us. You are just like vodka. It, well, it's not I, taking <laughs>
0: it. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Um, Here's what you do. You take the penne. You soak it
2: in some vodka. You throw out the penne. You drink Are, are you vodka. doing a Trump impression? What is going on? I don't know
1: what I'm doing. He's <laughs> yeah. just, just a low, whispery guy. Yeah. And DC- that's the Vampire Slayer number five. <laughs>
0: <laughs> DC is saved by the Bell Reeve. Number one from DC Comics. Written by Becky Clinton and Brendan Fletcher, Tim Seeley, Peter J. Tabasi, David Weisgulls, uh Art Baltazar and Franco, Brandon Thomas, Dan Waters, I mean, come on. Andrew Aiden, Art by Carl Kerschel, Scott Collins, Max Rayner, Mike Norton, Alt, Art Baltazar, Craig Cermak, Juan Ferraria, and Nelson Daniel. This is all focusing on either high school-based heroes or taking the heroes and villains back to high school. Pete, you seem to be super jazzed by
2: this take it away Pete, this you're was a high another student yeah right uh this was a another really fantastic collection of stories all bangers uh i wanted a little bit more uh, some more say by the bell references in there but uh mm. i was still really impressed what we got here uh, B. Kalunin just, uh, really delivering on this. Uh, uh, I, I'm a sucker for the Tiny Titans with Art and Franco. So this was just, a, a ton of fun. Uh, I love the, uh, the, the Batgirl stuff with the night off that was super adorable. Uh, Tim Seeley having a ton of fun. I mean, uh, this was just, a really a fantastic collection here. Uh, pr- impressive.
1: Yeah, I got to give it up for the um, Nightwing, Batgirl prom night story. Come on, man! um, Later on in the book, really enjoyed that. Always enjoyed, uh, always enjoyed Tiny Titans. And then I really liked. I've been really liking the um, uh, the Osriel stuff that's been going through DC, and we get that here um, in in this story, sort of in the in the back half as well. Uh, I don't – this didn't quite relate to high school and it was just like a story of childhood trauma. Uh, but um, I still really liked it. the art on that I thought was the high most unique of this trauma. set. Yeah. yeah. Not the way that it went for our, our, our guy, um, right. Right. Jean-Paul, but uh, yes.
0: Of the two collections we're talking about in this stack, this is not quite as successful as the other one, I would oh, say. come on, dude. You It's compared. not. Come on. It's, it's just not. Dude, that
2: one of them's a thousand issue like – uh, you know, I know, been This was just a, a long... thousand months. At yeah, this point, exactly. So, this yeah. is just a. Uh, come on, dude.
1: You can't. Well, go and close, let's be too. clear. We've talked about multiple anthologies. We had a Harley Quinn one as well in mm-hmm. here. That's so sure. yeah, that's good. so uh, there's a lot of them out there. So yeah, so so what shut I'm up, Elvin. <laughs> <And, laughs> <laughs> <Jesus. laughs> wow. Uh, but I did really? enjoy a bunch
0: of the stories in here. Let's talk about those breakdowns. breakout number three from dark horse comics it's not catching on don't think it's catching on breakout number three from dark horse comics written by zach Kaplan, art by wilton santos and this issue our teens are finally inside the not exactly alien cube but as we find out spoiler alternate universe cube that has been kidnapping teens they're doing a whole ocean 11s thing to break folks out pete you seem super stoked about this. Take it away.
2: Yeah, I mean I was super impressed with not only the plan, but it kind of like sometimes you hear about the plan, you're like, Whoa, that's way more overly complicated than it needs to be. But I really liked the way that not only they talked about it but then executed it, uh, show don't tell. So I I was uh really impressed with this issue. I felt like, you know, we kind of were the first two issues were kind of building up to this and this really delivered. This is a real kind of the meat of uh, the story here. and and It was just, uh, it was really cool. And I think they did a great job of setting up and then this issue really delivered some real intense moments here. And, uh, uh, you know, you don't get a smooch a but you get a very touching hug. So uh, to kind of keep that theme going for this stack. But, man... um, you know, damn your bananas. There's some real amazing splash pages in this. So, uh. do you do you workshop the stuff before the show, or how did,
0: what's going on? I, I no. want
1: to say no, and let me just say the the beauty of the English language is that often the more you hear it, the more it makes sense. Right? Damn your bananas is a rare case, which goes in the opposite direction. Uh, but let me let me say that. I also really like this book. It's it, it, Ocean's Eleven is a good comparison in how they tell their story, right. but it's none of the sort of like um, sort of wink uh, comedy of Ocean's yeah. Eleven. It's very much a not high stick. Yeah, he's not eating hardly at all, Brad Pitt in this <laughs> yeah. book. You only see him a couple times in the background. I mean, he's the villain in the end here. Dude. Yeah, full yeah. makeup. Yeah, yeah. This yeah. is what happens um, when Bullet Train fails. Is Brad Pitt looks like this? Uh, slam the. But I do think. This <laughs> This has a high, uh, sort of a higher stakes version, a more emotionally rooted um, heist, Oceans 11 style heist. And um, I think the art is fantastic. Uh, Definitely worth picking up.
0: I'm really enjoying this. I think this is like almost a no brainer, either limited series or movie pitch 100%. But here's my one question.
2: Oh, come Mm. on.
0: No, this is a legitimate question because I feel like maybe I missed something because they started off this series being like, we don't know anything that's happening in these cubes. We have no idea. It's a complete mm-hmm. secret, total blackout in there. And then they were like, we have a little bit of footage that people have taken because they managed to sneak in phones. And then we get to this issue, like, here's how it's laid out. And here's how you walk through it. And here's how you break yeah. into it. And we know every single. So what happened? What did I, what did I miss there? Well, they did
2: some they, recon, obviously, and they cracked, some collected, oh, they yeah, cracked collected codes.
1: information. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. cracked. They got into the cubes. Yeah. yeah, that
2: was the one thing that held me back from loving this issue.
0: I think there was a government guy who came in the last issue. Was like, "I'll give you more information," if I remember correctly, and that's probably yes. what they took here. That's but at the got. same time, it, it, it was a little bit of a bummer for me because I love the idea of these scrappy kids with only the info they can glean off of scant information breaking into here and kind of, like, winging it. Here, they were Ocean's Eleven, where they're like, we have the whole layout of the cube, and we know everything that's going on. And I feel like that diffuses the concept a little bit, to be honest, even though oh, I still God. have fun yeah.
1: reading it at the same Jesus time. Jesus and, and you know what? Uh, that's fair. Like, the flavor, you just wanted a different flavor here. They mm-hmm. continued a similar flavor when, like, it, it does feel like, if this were an ongoing series or a longer run, they might do a little bit more of like, well, we're in here now we have to figure this out. But it feels like for the sake of, uh, the, uh, being concise, I think they, they went in this direction and it does work. Breakout number three, definitely worth picking out, picking up from the beginning. Yeah, for for the art and
0: alone. last but least, Trouble from Marvel, <laughs> written by Mark Millar, art by Terry Dodson and Rachel Dodson. This was requested by Kay Grimes too on iTunes. If you'd like to request a book, all you got to do is drop a rating, five stars, and comment over on iTunes, and we will check out a old graphic novel, a run, or anything like that. Now, Trouble, if you don't know about it, this is from the old Epic comic. Line which existed for, I believe, trouble, and then shut down immediately. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, and it caused it
2: to shut down. There's this. a
0: lot of conflicting reports about what exactly this series was, but it was kind of them teasing the idea of maybe if it was successful, this would be the origin of Ultimate Spider-Man, which is, and this is a big spoiler for the series, but that Aunt May... And Richard Parker,
1: no, Richie, yes,
0: Richie had a baby together and then gave it to Mary and Richard, who raised it. And then when they died, they gave it back to May and Bed, who later got married. And I'll tell you what, here's the big my big takeaway from reading this series is that if you want to get inside the mind of a teen girl. There is nobody better to hire than Mark Millar. He just nails that. Like, that is my first thought. Like, if I'm thinking, like, who knows teen girls the best? It's the guy who wrote, do you think this
2: A stands for frats?
0: Like, same thing,
1: basically. Hey,
2: um, yeah. Uh, I mean, well, I, I feel I mean, like... First off, we got back up the truck and talk about these awful covers that were like these <laughs> underage girls in bikinis, not drawn, but f- like photos, like in but, real life. So, so like you can't go into a comic book shop and buy this because it's like, hey, dirt bag. What the <laughs> fuck are you reading? You know what I mean? Like, it's awful. It looks awful. It is awful. It doesn't feel good to purchase or support. Like it is not a good book. And then when you get past the cover and try to read it. Hold on. Can I talk about the cover? No, no, no. I just want to mention the context
0: for the cover, why they did that. The idea of it was that they were trying to appeal to a female audience and specifically trying to ape the feel of YA novels that are appealing to teen girls uh, this is, mind you, an almost entirely male <laughs> creative team who made yeah. this decision, and I agree with you, Pete, that they are the perviest, portiest, grossest covers. Yeah. That I, I, I knew about this book, but I did not read this book back in the day because you couldn't I, read it. Yeah, I saw the covers, and I was like, "Well, I'm not nope.
2: picking that. Up. Yeah, I'm not
1: <laughs> going to put that. I can't put that in my stack. I can't walk around with this." Well, and even beyond that side of it, I was like, oh, this isn't something that uh, is meant to be like, here, read this. It feels like it's so aggressive is what I I think about it. And it feels like this book also feels like they're like, look, romance comics were a big thing for a long time. Here's our version of it. And it's just such a miss in that department. It's such a fratty, like, dude-centric, it's, like, yeah. male gaze version of that. When, like, a book that's that's recently come out, Love Everlasting, uh, Tom King's romance sort of entry into the romance comics world, like, really does examine that genre and, like, how could we sort of make this relevant to a modern comic reader. Very smart book. Uh, definitely worth checking out. And uh this book is so like, like porny that I think it gets in the way of a premise that is at least interesting. The idea of these um, characters that have a lot of comic book history built around them, and they were all sort of spending the summer in this place that was out of their normal context. It was sort of a fantasy world of like working in this job in a wealthy uh context. Like there's a lot of potential there. And Mark Millar, Mark Millard, the shit out of this. And and this is a kind of like Mark Millar does have books that I I read. and I'm like, this is a good book, but this is just wrong for him in every way.
0: you're 100 percent right about that, because you could read this book and like Mark Millar's worst impulse is always his one sentence pitch. And then he doesn't go beyond that. He doesn't go any deeper than that. And this is like, what if it's Aunt May? But she fucks. And that's like literally the entire book to the point where it's uncomfortably reductive, anti-feminist. And then beyond that, just as like a comic book and a story, even if you don't want to even get into not political ramifications, but cultural ramifications of it. Like Ben and Richie are incomprehensibly different as characters. Like most scenes... And this is not to slam Terry Dodson and Rachel Dodson too much, who are gorgeous artists. They're great. Yeah. But the way the characters are designed here, they're supposed to be brothers. So I get that. There are scenes where I was like, who, which one is this? Particularly because the whole plot of the book is Ben Parker and uh, Richie Parker switching between May and Mary. Multiple times, and I was like, I don't know who's sleeping with who. I don't know who's hooking up with who. I have no idea. This is impossible to follow. The story isn't interesting. Like I, I understand as a human being that teens have sex and they like to have sex, So that is not my
1: problem. Well, with Well, and that. even beyond that, people have sex. Everybody yes. has. Everybody is having sex, and like great. But there's a there's a scene in this in this like issue three or four where they're like. Uh, Where Richie and May Are having sex in the sand trap Of the 15th (laughs) hole on a golf course Multiple times I'm like No (laughs) No they're not No one's Sand trap get out of there
0: And it's also just even inconsistent Like it's clearly Starts out as like A dirty dancing summer Discovering yourself type Farce sort of thing I'm, uh, I'm into that 100% and there's moments where they introduce the two people who run the resort that they're working at, where I was like, okay, I can see the bones of what you were going for with like, they're snooty, they're stuck up, but they lucid by the end of the summer. I get all of that. But they disappear by issue two, I want to say, something like that. So that
1: plot is just gone. And one of them is named Peter, which right, weird, which is right. confusing. Well, but also sort of, I think, meant to be like... Peter Parker is named after this random guy. <laughs> like, so strange. No... And the other thing is another, a major plot point is that um, Mary, uh, who is Spider-Man's mom in the traditional comic take, um, is like, well, we went to this, um, oh, psychic, yeah. this palm reader. And she said that I, if I had sex before I was 20, I would, um, uh, instantly be a mom and may, uh, would never have anyone call her mom. But we, we never, like, I was like, if that scene is so important, it ends up being the big resonant scene for the whole story show, just start with that scene. Show yes. us that scene. I was like, but you don't show us the scene that is the biggest deal of everything.
0: And I get it's a comic book universe, but like you're already playing in a romance world that's supposed to be this realistic world that you're adding in. Clearly like Madame Webb or whoever is so weird and so beyond the pale, it completely takes you out. And then jumping to the end of the book, we're like, They've had a baby and they've traded babies and it's, I don't know, not even a year later or something. The way Mark Millar writes their dialogue where they're all hanging out at a wedding together is like, well, we're 50 years old right now and this has yeah. happened decades earlier and we're all reflecting on this time long ago, but it was like six months or something. Yeah, The whole book is so batshit insane. I, I don't. First of all, I want to say K. Grimes too. Thank you
1: for leaving the
0: rating. Thank you for asking us. <laughs> and to let me it. say,
1: I, I did enjoy. Like, I was like, this is a wild book. I I had never read it, so to read it, I was like, yo, oh, this is crazy. <laughs> I yes. just want to. I just wanted to be able to say that, like, I I had
2: to get past the cover to try to read this, but uh, this fucking thing sucks from start to finish. There is nothing enjoyable about reading this. Uh, but K Grimes, too, you know, fun <laughs> review. Thank you. Uh, I, like Justin said, I wouldn't ever read this. So it was fun to be like, OK, I have to read this for this just to see what it is. So, yeah. Would you just as a cultural artifact, would you recommend
0: anybody? No, read this? this should be
2: never be mentioned ever again or act like it
1: existed because it is douchey as fuck and horrible. Um, yeah, I don't think um, this is ever going to be referenced uh, again in the Spider-Man continuity. Um, or should it? it? it was a – I was happy to read it for the sake of uh, reviewing it for this. Um, but, yeah, it has just a lot of problems uh, to it. Well,
0: uh, I'll, I'll throw something out at you, and this is very rumory, but while I was researching the book, I think this was – Mind you, on Wikipedia, so take it with a grain of salt. But I've seen this stuff elsewhere as well. Uh, there, they had on the Trouble, Trouble Wikipedia page, there was a in other media section, and according to them, and again, I've seen this rumor elsewhere, but this is very rumory, They were like, "Madam Web," which is the movie that Sony is making, is loosely based on Trouble, where <laughs>
1: <What? the laughs> who's whole making
0: these decisions? And they somehow, I guess, like the rumor is they go back in time and there's a whole thing with like Adam Scott is Ben Parker. And I think it's Sydney Sweeney or something is May um, yeah, Parker. And maybe they have like they hook up or something. So there's like a loose adaptation of that, which is I, I could not believe that. But also that is 100 percent the sort of decision that Sony would make.
1: Oh, fair uh dicey. Um, yeah. especially with the news of the day going around.
0: <laughs> yes, there's that too. Uh, so I guess we'll have to see Trouble coming to the big screen next year. Thank you, K. Grimes, too. Again, if you want to request anything, drop it in the comments on iTunes. And that is it for the stack. If you'd like to support our podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to broadcast on YouTube. Coming out, we would love to chat with you about comics. Apple Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Comic Book Live on Twitter. Com- ComicBookClubLive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, we'll see you at the comic book shop.
1: Frankly, I don't give a damn about these bananas.